You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's dwmurry.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast. Well, good evening. This is David Murray. I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Um, and uh, welcome. We're going to be talking about some insights for 2017, some things that the that the Lord has, um, has laid upon my heart, um, and, and some things for the body of Christ to, to share for the mutual edification. The Word of God says that without a vision, the people perish. And even though that is quoted in the Old Testament, the biblical principle holds the same today. We are called to unity. We are called to intimacy. Uh, we can only have a limited degree of intimacy and unity to the degree that we don't understand the vision of what Father God wants to do. So before I get in, Dorothy, how are you? I'm doing well. And how are you doing tonight, David? I'm doing well. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be moving kind of fast uh, because we have the benefit of of having this recorded. That those that that uh, may feel um, Holy Spirit to listen to this and to dig into it. Um, that's going to be a challenging word because whenever when I say a challenging word, it's not because a word is bad. It's just the opposite. When the Holy Spirit shares and bears witness to what the Father wants to do from his throne room. Any areas where, where our own agenda, whether we realize it or not, um, opposes that because we picked up our own securities, wounds, hurts, fears, uh, or agendas, right, you know, make the word challenging because now we have to come face-to-face with are we going to step in line with um, what the Lord is doing. And, and it makes it a challenge. And um, first it has to bear witness to everyone's spirit individually. And then we have a decision to make of whether or not we are going to hash that out with the Lord. So is it a challenging word? A little bit. And it's a very edifying word. Um, it's going to give a lot of people some insight. Um, what the Lord wants to do in this year, in 2017, is begin a major shift in the body of Christ. And we're going to get into that. We're going to move fairly quickly. Uh, the three things we're going to cover tonight, really, is introduction is is I'm going to get into a short little introduction here. And the two parts are where we are, where is the church here? Specifically now I'm talking about in America. There are principles that talk about the worldwide church that that I will touch upon, but predominantly where are we? Where is the church in America, the body of Christ, um, every single born-again believer, where are we? Where is the church spiritually? And how did we get here? That's the first part. And the second is what Father God wants to do. And so this will lead into my introduction of why this is so important and why the Lord led me to speak about this in this matter. Um, Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together unless they agreed to do so? In order to get into alignment, guys, with Father's heart, we need to see his picture. This requires, and we talked about this before, under understanding how, so, how, how prophecy 
um, works. Prophecy, remember, guys, prophecy in the simplest terms means the heart and mind of God revealed. That's it. Right, we, we, we just, as we continue, as the body of Christ continues to mature in, in righteousness, in understanding our self-worth, starts and ends with what Jesus did on the cross for us, our callings, uh, the words we have to say, any dream or vision we have, any word of correction, a word of exhortation, anything we do or don't do has nothing to do with our self-worth. That's right, understanding righteousness. As the church begins to grab a hold of this doctrine, the basic of our salvation is righteousness. And I talk about this in my book, The Mind of Christ. Um, for those that, that are not aware, you know, I mentioned it in, in the intro. Um, I have a blog, dwmurray.com, and um, I put together a compilation of many, many teachings and insights that talk about the New Testament believer understanding righteousness. If that pricks upon your heart, there's a free PDF, or you can follow the links of where you can pick up a hard copy. Um, prophecy, in simplest terms, is the heart and mind of God revealed. Prophetic hindsight, meaning understanding from the mind of God what took place to get us where we are, helps us understand where we need to go. It's pretty much impossible to understand where God wants to take us until we understand how we got to where we are right now. And... Um, as, as the Lord and I were talking about this, uh, one of the things that just got very burdened with on my heart is that there is not much teaching or instruction in prophetic hindsight, meaning in revealing and sharing and parting the mind of God on how the church got to where we are right now so that we can begin ruddering in the course that Father God wants to take us. So that's what we're going to be talking about. That's why it's so important. Uh, we need prophetic hindsight in order to recognize where we are, how we got here, so that we may more easily yield to what he wants to do. So where are we? Well, uh, no shock to anyone, right? Uh, if we look around, the, 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 really the current spiritual state of the body of Christ as a whole here, as one body in America, um, is fractured. The church is wounded and broken. Um, for, there are predominantly three primary deceptions of the enemy that the church has allowed herself to take, become captive to. The first one is the spirit of offense. The second is the love of the church has grown cold. And the third is the spirit of self-delusion. All of these are covered when Jesus talks about and when Paul talks about the end times church, the condition of the church. What we need to understand, guys, is that we are the church. That's important to understand. It's not talking about the false converts. It's talking about, when Jesus is talking, he's talking about beloved. His church will fall to a spirit of offense, a love will grow cold, and a spirit of self-delusion. And the con spiritual condition of the church, prior to us being transformed into the full statue and image of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is returning for. For those of you wondering when he's going to return, he's not returning until there's a bride worthy to receive the bridegroom. So we need to get that into our wheelhouse. Jesus is not returning until the bride has been prepared to receive the bridegroom. And part of the reason why we reject that is because we're going to be getting into that because we've lost sight of where we came from. If we look at Israel's history, 
when they finally discovered the book of the law, and this usually gets me all choked up. I'll try to power right through it. When, when Josiah came into, into being and Hezekiah uh, came to the throne and these men began seeking God, one of the things that, that they were astounded with is that the book of the law was discovered. They had so far removed themselves from the heart of God that they lost track of where they even came from. They hadn't even read the, the book of Moses for, for many, many, many generations. The church, number one, is very offended with one another. This is in fulfillment of Matthew 10:21 and the prophecies of Jesus Christ that he spoke about in Mark 13:12. Second, the love of the church has grown cold. It's fulfillment of Jesus' prophecies of the end-time church in Matthew 24, 12. Spirit of self-delusion is 1 Timothy 4, 1. Because of the great fracturing of the church, there exists a lack of true spiritual leadership. True discipleship in this generation, guys, is extremely rare. There's been a break in the generational passing of eldership. I'm not talking about elected positions. That doesn't mean garbage, guys. I'm talking about spiritual authority that the older Christians in Christ, which is what elder means, are meant to pass on the understanding of righteousness, the doctrines of salvation, of water baptism, of the laying on of hands, the scriptures say, right, Hebrews, these are the foundations of our belief, of intimacy with Christ. That passing of spiritual father and son, of spiritual mother and daughter, of eldership to stewardship, passing on to raising us up into the maturity of Christ has been fractured. Teachings about righteousness and who we are as, our, as children of God and who our Heavenly Father is, that's been broken. That lineage, the spiritual responsibility that, that my generation had in the past 30 years going back has been fractured. Different doctrines have come in to take place. We got our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ as our first love and we began looking at the Lord as a means to get the things we want to be satisfied with ourselves. We became self-conscious as a whole in the church. If you go into many church services today, in whatever they dressed like, whatever, whatever the outer garnish is, you go into them, there's just a lot of entertainment. The ideology is, uh, you'll see some terms, seeker-friendly um, or lost-friendly. Uh, church has not been, is lost the understanding that is the gathering of the believers Whereas we see Christ, the holiness and the power and the Shekinah manifest presence of God is to display and transform us. And from there, we go out and we proclaim the, the, the great commission, the gospel. We have, we have thrown out altogether that biblical mandate. And we have turned church into a place where the lost come in to be entertained. And if they're entertained enough, they'll some way or another accept Christ and for the Christians that are there, we just keep them as baby Christians, and we just teach them about these. I mean, I, I went into a service not too, too long ago, and there were literally props on stage entertaining the body of Christ so that they could get across this message. And um, I'm not judging people. Um, one of the things in the body of Christ I'm called to do is to point the way to the throne room. As an elder in the body of Christ, um, who is not perfect by any means, the Lord is working on me every day that I allow him. But we're to expose that which is of the kingdom of God, 
to that which is of not. And we need to really examine in this hour what we are doing and if that is really what's on the Father's heart. Uh, we're going to get more into that. Hebrews 5.12, talking about eldership, the fracturing that took place. How did we get where we are? For in the time you ought to be teachers, the Apostle Paul speaking to the born-again Christians gathering in the book of Hebrews. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. For you have become such as you need milk and not strong meat. For everyone who uses milk is unskilled in the work of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reasons of use have their, exer- have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Paul lays it out here very clearly. We've covered righteousness a lot because that's a, that is the foundation of who we are. We receive salvation because we've been imparted the righteousness of Christ. You cannot have one without the other. Salvation is the byproduct of imputed righteousness. The church has lost sight of that. We've been unhinged from the biblical moorings of understanding that Jesus came to die to save us while we were sinners hating him. Hateful, lustful, self-centered, steeped in sin, bound for hell. Jesus died for the lost church. We, 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 did not, we did not become born into the church. We had to accept Jesus as our Savior and hopefully are in the process of making him our Lord in every area of our life. Elders are those, by biblical definition, Hebrews 5, who are skilled in the words and understanding of righteousness. The elders of this generation, and when I mean elders, those that are more mature than the less mature in this generation. The spiritually mature have failed to pass along to the next generation the teachings of righteousness. We turned aside to our own desires and we forsook our first love. We began seeking doctrines that had to do with things that made our own lives more comfortable instead of recognizing the truth that as we seek him first, all of the kingdom is given to us. The story of the prodigal son, as we return to the father, everything of the father's is ours and always has been ours. The elders of this generation lost sight of that those who were charged and commissioned and called to feed the flock turned to entertainment and to things that were comfortable and safe and pleasant, and the church fell asleep. The result is a generation that got fed up with dead religion. A generation for the past 30 years had begun to come out of the dead religious system, got tired of being shamed and manipulated and browbeaten, and being a part of church fellowship to fulfill some sort of law. We heard words like, well, I missed you on Sunday. Where were you? How you doing? It's been a while. No love, just manipulation and condemnation. And depending upon where you live in the United States, and many of you bear witness all over parts of the country that reach out to me, you will experience this in different degrees. I was just talking to a, a very good friend of mine, part of our fellowship, and we were discussing some of the differences of how that will look in different regions of the country. But for many, 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 uh, many of that generation that didn't want to play by the dead religious system anymore and left 
because they just got tired of the abuse, um, were shamed and treated as, re- as reprobates. Of those that left church buildings did so without support or out much of a plan. The elders, the true, now I'm talking true spiritual elders, and I have been blessed to know several of them. Many of those true, mature believers went into hiding to seek God and to get a greater greater revelation of what true church life was supposed to be. And I've, I've, I've been honored to know many elders in the body of Christ that I've known since I was a little kid, and they died out there in that wilderness. They were never received. They were never accepted. They were never allowed to speak in fellowship. They were considered outcasts. If any of them, God forbid, moved in the prophetic office, they were completely cast out, told don't even think of raising your hand and speaking the word of God if it's at all uncomfortable. We need our money. We need our income. We need to keep the machine going. And, guys, I'm not judging any type of fellowship. I'm calling a spade a spade. I lived through it. 44 years old now. I accept the Lord when I was about six or seven. And um, I've walked through pretty much pretty much it all in terms of Christian circles. Uh, there's probably not any type of denomination or type of fellowship I haven't walked in or been through um, or, or been not welcomed at. Um, but anyway, there was an entire generation in the past 30 years of people that left organized religion and under the abusive hand of those who, who sought to control, that started out with, guys, hey, none of us, when we start out, start out to hurt anybody. This is what's so important. This is not a time to judge. I and mean, we're going to be getting into this. It's a time to heal. But we have to understand where we came from and why. There are men, I, I have known one of the things that God did as part of my training from a very young age is he allowed me to be placed in very proximity to many people that were pastors or that ministered full-time. Meaning full-time, what I mean by that? Traditionally, I had a parish, I had a ministry um, mostly supported by the tithes and offerings of the church fellowship. Some of them were traveling speakers, but they were in the system the system that now is, is fractured. Um, and they all started out wanting to do God's will. I, many of them I knew from the day they accepted the Lord. These were young men that did, I was just a kid, and I saw them accept Christ on the spot and watched how God would, would walk them into how he wanted them to serve. But guys, to the degree that we do not understand righteousness, to the degree that we do not grasp a Especially you men, do not grasp that your self-worth is forever settled by the blood of Jesus Christ. How little or well-known you are, or or whether you wear a three-piece suit, or whether everyone likes to call you by a title, those things will drown you spiritually. And there was 30 years of generations of people legitimately called to serve the body that allowed themselves to place a millstone around their neck and be drowned in their own pride and ignorance to what true biblical righteousness is. And the result is we've had a mass exodus of wounded, broken, battered sheep that are just trying to find out who God is. And, um, so what happened is in the past 30 years, we have an entire generation that either accepted Christ from these defectors, from these outcasts, these rogues, or we grew up in an institutional church system 
that by and large did little more than to entertain the church and talk about how to get God to how to cooperate with God so that you can get the things you want in life. And we've hit critical mass. Uh, without true spiritual discipleship, we the church will stop growing and understanding our identity, what it means to be a child of God, the redeemed, the cleansed, the positionally righteous child of God. Whenever that happens, that generation of believers will fall prey to delusion, to false doctrines, and to error. As a whole, in this nation, this is the current condition of the body of Christ. Now we understand a little bit how we got where we are right now. Let me pause for just a minute and to address a mindset and examples of weak and immature church interaction. Because there will always be those. God doesn't need us to be perfect. He requires our heart. He requires us to put him first in every area of our spirit, our soul, and our body. And the greatest warfare takes place in our mind, our will, and our emotions, how we choose to perceive God because of our own pain, insecurity, lack of understanding of righteousness, woundings, right? So you have those that are attempting to rise up and serve the body and use their giftings and, and be faithful what God's called them to do. Again, this is not about blame or condemnation or judging a person, but we must clearly begin to see where we came from, why, and what's going on clearly now before we can discuss and cooperate with what he wants to do. I'm simply desiring to instruct in some of the true ways and giftings and callings, that the way we're meant to function. Those in the church that are elders, guys, older ones in this generation, um, we're filled with a generation of quote-unquote elders that are truly not spiritually mature. I mean, the, the vast majority of the people that I see speaking that are considered elders by the rest of the body of Christ, they themselves do not understand righteousness. They're angry, they're hurt, and there's agendas, this personal agenda. That is not an elder. That is not a true disciple who's seeking to serve the body by pointing them to Christ. A vacuum of true discipleship will always prevent the body of Christ from understanding her self-worth, her worth in Christ. The heart of the Father, guys, is reconciliation. The Bible is one great story of reconciliation. It's a love story. It's the story of a creation that rejected their creator and it set in motion the greatest plan to redeem his creation that ever existed. The Bible is not a rule book. It's progressive revelation to understand progressively our creator who happens to be through the blood of Jesus Christ, our heavenly dad, our brother and Lord and savior, and our great counselor. The Old Testament scene, guys, is Jesus' coming. He's coming to do what? He's coming to restore relationship. The gospels, the scene of the gospel, guys, is Jesus has come. Relationship has been restored. The epistles is Jesus is coming again to make all things new again like it was in the garden. That's the theme of the Bible, guys. He is coming. 
he came, he's on the earth to show us the Father, and he's coming back again to make all things new. That's the great redemptive plan. And we're two-thirds of the way there. Any prophetic word, guys, that violates this biblical principle is at best an incomplete word that the Lord has shared and given them. At worst, it's a false word spoken out of anger, hurt, and fear. Too many people attempting to speak prophetically that do not have proper prophetic training, do not have proper biblical discipleship, are not surrounded by true elders who understand righteousness. They have not been trained and equipped in the ways and the heart of the Father, and so they're attempting to move and speak when they should be quiet. There are very few words that God gives us that are meant to be shared. And there are too many people in the body of Christ sharing whatever insights that's on the heart of the Father when they should be praying it through and we should be going on before the Lord in tears and prayer and asking the Lord for greater impartation, understanding of how to lift up the body of Christ, how to minister to the person to the next you. People need to be quiet. We need to learn how to mature. And again, because of the vacuum of spiritual, true spiritual leadership and eldership, there has been that break in teaching from one generation to the next. No one wants to say they're a prophet anymore because that's vogue, because of all the false prophets, the prosperity prophets, and the extreme of the biblical. Does God want us to be, have more than enough? I believe so, yeah. Is that mostly where our hearts are at? No, it's become self-centered. It's become an extreme of a biblical principle. That's what, that's what false doctrine is. It takes a biblical principle and it distorts it. It twists it. And there's been an entire generation of people that are called prophetically or have no business being called, but they have other giftings that mask as that. And they turn the church, instead of to the heart of the Father, they turn it in on ourselves. And because of that, now anyone who is called to share the heart of the Father doesn't want to say they're a prophet because they don't want to be labeled with that, right? But everyone just wants to prophesy. And because of this, this spiritual vacuum in the past 30 years, guys, the different gifts and callings that we all have have been abandoned or they're practiced with no refinement or grooming. We can hear all over the social media, the broadcast, the blogs, one of two things. Either one, people are prophesying, everything is fine, go on with your living, this is your best year now, or whatever they want to call themselves. This is predominantly what's going on. It's one camp. Everything is about you. We are America. We are the church. We're the blessed. Taking a biblical principle and taking it to a distorted false doctrine extreme. And, and one of the things of proper eldership and discipleship that is going to be raised up in this generation is to teach the church how to walk in the truths of God without the excessiveness and without throwing out the doctrine altogether. There are many broke, sick Christians because we've thrown out altogether not just the deception, the false doctrine, but we've thrown out the middle road. God's going to be raising up people that will teach us how to walk that middle road instead of throwing out everything completely because of the deception and the delusion. We're not meant to throw out the truth because error mingled in. We're meant to rightly divide the word, not rightly reject the word. Rightly divide the word of truth. Okay, so the first thing people talk about is everything is fine. I got that one camp there. The second is, 
please bear with me guys. I'm going to round all this out. The second is repent, repent, repent. Judgment, death is coming, repent. Okay, let me two words and carve away the extreme and the delusion, the deception to what the heart of the Father wants to do. First, let's quickly address the first. Blessings, guys, are an outflow of intimacy. Our dad is not raising up brats in his household. He's not a vending machine. He is longing for children who want to work, play, and spend time hanging out with him. He wants to know what is on your heart, and he wants you to know what's on his heart. He wants to talk to his church. Blessings are the result of intimacy in every area we choose to receive them. That's the biblical foundation. That's the biblical outflow of a good dad. That's the story behind the prodigal son. The excessiveness is that everything is about you, yourself. That's the, that's the deception and the error of what's being spoken about. And there's a slew of people speaking in that camp. Everything's about you now. You'll just watch one prophetic word after another just not come to pass over and over because we take a biblical truth and we twist it to an extreme to turn our hearts away from the Father and onto ourselves, onto a carnal-centered mindset. That's deception. The second camp. Here's what I want to ask. Repent of what, guys? Repent, repent. Judgment is coming. Repent of what? When was the last time we heard a clear, simple instruction of what we are meant to do? Guys, repent means to turn. It means to turn. It's a changing direction. That's what the word means. It's a verb. Okay, so we repent. Now what? So now we can self-righteously say that we're living in a perfect world. We've entered into a realm of self-righteous. We're safe. We've repented from sin, living from self in the areas that, that we deem are the areas we should turn in. Now we've, we've covered ourselves in our own self-righteousness and literally to hell with everyone else. When was the last prophetic word you heard about judgment coming where God said, change your heart. Come seek me. Come find out my thoughts about the lost. I want to talk to you about the commission. I want to talk to you about, hey, we didn't finish this plan. My son came 2,000 years ago. The, the church was commissioned. 120 people were commissioned to go into all the earth. I want to talk to you about how you play into that. I, I, I cannot remember the last time I heard that. There's no course of action. There's no discussing the things that are on Father's heart other than he's furious and upset and angry with everyone. Um, and no mention of the lost. Go save yourself. The organizations, Christians, organizations that are rising up, that they're selling out of fear. They're selling Christian private tracts of land. Come live on a commune. Be safe when the judgment comes. Uh, I don't see the martyrs, church history. Forget the first century. The martyrs in church history and the martyrs that are dying while this broadcast is being aired because they are going out into the world and attempting to win the lost in love. Yeah, I don't, I don't hear much about that. I just hear repent from what? From watching too much TV, repent from pornography, repent from overeating, and then what, guys? What exactly are we meant to do once we've turned from the certain sins that we feel we should be turning from? You're not hearing much word for that. 
These are immature prophetic words, incomplete words of prophecy at best. At worst, they're vain imaginations for people who need to be quiet and start understanding the heart of the Father. Now, there are those that are out there that I know, and please hear me, that I respect and admire, and I'm very good friends with members of the body of Christ that are speaking part of the Father's heart. And part of the Father's heart is for us to turn and repent. The heart of repentance, guys, is to turn from our own ways and for our soul to yield to our spirit, man, which is in communion with the Holy Spirit, so that we live for the heart of the Father, so that we sit at his table, enjoy the bread and the wine of his fellowship, enjoy the blessings and prosperities that come from being in deep, intimate union with the Lord. That's what we're meant to turn to. We're meant to live as children of light. I hope you guys can hear a little bit of the difference here that, you know, of what I'm saying here. We have to turn from something to something. And saying turn to God, turn to God, I'm sorry, guys, that's, a, that's one of the biggest cliches of this generation. What does that mean for a Christian to turn to God? If there's not instruction on what God wants to do and how pruning and discipleship, and if you want to use the word judgment, um, I'm not going to get sidetracked on that. There's a difference between an end times judgment on sin and on pruning and discipleship and judgment on sin now for the purpose of refining the church to fulfill the Great Commission. And that's part of the things that's been a break in discipleship. We've lost the understanding of, 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 of discipleship. We've lost the understanding of pruning and discipline. And the Bible's filled with it. And, for those of us who like to quote the prophets in the Old Testament, please reread the book of Jonah and then ask the Lord, how does that fit into your theology? And maybe it's time to change your theology a little bit. So what am I saying? God is a holy and all-consuming fire. And in that holiness and all-consumingness is love. The Bible is a great rescue plan. He died for his lost children. Every one of us were lost. His heart has never Stop loving the lost. So if we're going to be talking about what's coming, repent, repent, we need to understand, okay, the church needs to return back to the Lord to begin learning, how do I seek intimacy with him because he loves me? Then I begin picking up the burdens that are on his heart. And if it's fear-based and, and, and uncertainty and there's no word of real direction, the scriptures talking around they say it's an, it's an incomplete word. You look at every word, prophetic word, you'll see if you study it, you read it in context of what's going on, there's always light, there's always direction, there's always meant to be reconciliation. Even if in seasons there's very strict discipline. Heaven and Hebrews 12:5 tell us it's because he loves us that he will prune and discipline us. Hebrews 12:5 Proverbs 3.11, just two of them. The Bible's filled with them. Discipline, if you want to call it judgment, that's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm easy. Discipline, judgment, pruning, refinement, hedging, the refiner's fire is love. That's not me saying. It's not David Murray, guys. It doesn't matter what I say. It's what the Bible says. We need to understand God is love. And if we're hearing something and we cannot figure out how this fits into his love, which never goes on vacation, we need to begin getting discipled. We need to begin asking questions. 
We need to begin looking and examining those we've seen as elders and say, are there some areas that these people that are elders, that are the older ones in the body of Christ, are there some areas that they're, they're sharing things that may not really be coming from the heart of God, that they themselves have need of once again being taught the first principles of the oracles of God, Hebrews 5.12. Let's finish up with that. 1 Corinthians 14.3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Again, why am I hammering home prophecy so much, guys? Because prophecy, once again, is to impart the heart and mind of the Father to the church. It's the heart of God revealed. If we're sharing the heart of God, no matter how tough of a word, back in 2007, guys, I spoke a word to every, every Christian that I knew, told them there's an economic collapse coming. And I warned all my friends, all my Christian believers, and even some Lord told me to that were not, that were not believers, I tried to be as unweird and low-key as I could. Guys, the bottom's going to fall out on this. Was, was, is that a word of warning? Yeah. What was the purpose of it? It was for our protection and safety. The vast majority in the body of Christ didn't heed that at all. They did not want to hear anything. It was a time when many prophets we're speaking the greatest prosperity is coming right up through the collapse. And then the year after the collapse, the next prophetic word is there's a turnaround coming right now this year. Everything we share, guys, no matter how intense or difficult it is, and I've seen some intense things in my walk, just part of the nature of, of, of my walk with the Lord, meant to edify and serve the body in different ways, there's a cost for everything that we seek in with the Lord. And there's some things that I've seen and, and that he's talked to me about that are not pleasant. One of the things he's talked to me about that is not pleasant is when he will show me the Christian martyrs all over the world, and he asks me, why is my church in America unwilling to die for the lost? That's a tough question, guys. And I've kept that in for a long time. Right? Those are some of the challenges it gives me. And it's not just asking them. I get to see some of these things. I get to see what that looks like. And I'm not going to paint that picture now because it's outside the scope of what we're talking about. But within everything he shares, there is a course of action. There is a repentance, a turning to take place. There is a realignment with his heart. There is a vision. There is a focus. There is a, okay, guys, let's do this. If you do not hear that, it's being stripped of the strengthening, the encouraging, and the comfort. Because whenever we have a course of action, whenever we have the mind of God revealed, which is for reconciliation and love and light, there is strength and encouragement and comfort. So on the two extremes of the spectrum, there's one says, well, don't talk about anything that's unpleasant because it's not strengthening and comforting and, and exhorting. That's a lie. That's a lie. Sin reaps death in those areas of our life. I'm not, talking just, I'm not talking about going to hell. Now, to the body of Christ, if we sow sin in our lives, we're going to reap death in the areas of that life, Galatians 6, 8. The church has said, no, no, you can't say it. Don't say anything. It's uncomfortable. That's not comforting. Yes, it is. To be rescued from your sin and to be given a course of action that leads to life and godliness and greater intimacy absolutely is comforting. And on the other end of the extreme, for those that are just talking about repentance with no plan of action, no course, no mind in how the God wants to reconcile and use these challenging, difficult seasons to bring us into the holy presence of him, 
to fulfill the Great Commission, if we're not talking about that, there's no comfort, there's no exhortation or encouragement in that. And um, one of the most challenging uh, places to serve the body is prophetically. And uh, it's not something we should be so quick to do because we have a lack of accountability to one another and uh, we have the ability now more than ever to share what's on our heart. The pastors held all the keys under the traditional church system. So they could silence or let anyone speak as they deemed fit. And um, now that's out the window because you have all sorts of different medias in which people can share their mind. And there's very little accountability. And there's very little desiring to, to be quiet with the Lord and first understand what's the motives in my heart? What's going on here? How complete of a word do I have? So this is some of the areas where, where we've gotten to, guys. I know I spent a long time on that. It's vital. It's vital. Please, for those of you that this pricks upon your heart, please listen to this again and again, not because it's David Murray. I'm, just, I'm no different than any of you guys. But I know my place in the body is to serve you. That's my place. My place is to lay down my life for the body of Christ. And I love you guys more than you'll have any, ever, ever, any idea. The cost that, that there is to bring forth point the finger to the throne room. There's a cost for that, guys. This isn't about me. I'm nothing special. I'm just your brother. But for those of you that minister to this, that, that so far this is this a spirit call to spirit. Let this sink in. Listen to it again. There's a lot that we're covering here. Where do we come from? We came from the past 30, 40 years where the church began to seek out uh, a walk that was self-centered. People began to get tired of the control and the manipulation, the uh, the shame, the money, and a mass exodus took place. It wasn't structured or organized. The elders went into hiding. People that, that were not spiritual elders, but their hearts were for God. They, they went out in the back end of the wilderness for 20, 30 years, and God began speaking to them. There are many of them out there still now that have things to share. And the people that come forth too soon in this time are because there's been a lack of discipleship. There's been a lack of biblical understanding of who we are, who God is. And so we have so much confusion in the elders. We have people prophesying, my goodness, all sorts of incomplete words. So, This is where we're at, guys. Here's the awesome news. That was some hindsight, okay? Things that are taking place spiritually, call it prophetic hindsight. Nothing mystical or spooky or weird, right? Prophecy is just the mind of God, the heart of God revealed. That's it. Simple stuff. Scriptures say we're all meant to prophesy. So where are we headed? Let's say that another way. Where does Father God want to take us? without one of the, the greatest problems that we've experienced this hour is that those that are, are not giving a course of action of what Father God wants to do. And it's not complicated. Guys, none of this stuff is complicated. Here's the awesome news, right? Oh, David suddenly got chipper. This, none of this is really difficult. There are two plans. There's always the plans of Father God and there's always the plans of Satan, which basically in simplest form is to just undermine what God wants to do. 2017, what are we looking for? 
there's three basic things, foundational principles. This is not exhaustive. This is foundational blueprint of what our Heavenly Father wants to begin this year. It will carry through into 2018. Yes, guys, we're still going to be here for 2017 and 18, right? We still have work to do. Um, we are not getting raptured this year. I do not think we're going to be raptured in 2018. Um, I said that when all this buzz was coming up with the blood moons and before that and, and the economic collapse, there's, there's things that God wants to do. There are different tracks the nation can take. Uh, uh, our president-elect, him being elected, gave us a reprieve so that we can begin agreeing with the heart and mind of God in this hour. It would have been much more challenging if, uh, if uh, another president was elected. Trump is not our answer. Trump is a reprieve for the body of Christ to get our act together with less pressure, with less oppression, because we don't have the spiritual grit to handle it. We don't have the grit. We haven't been discipled and taught. There, there's a lack of true shepherds. There's a vacuum of true eldership. There is a vacuum of prophets, of true godly prophets that are broken in love and in joy before the Lord. But that time is coming, guys. The time is coming, and it is going to be awesome. What's God going to be starting doing? What's he already putting into place in this 2017? Three things. Unity, a return to true discipleship, and a return to our first love. There's going to be a cry that's going to begin coming forth. You're going to begin seeing people that are not well-known, that are going to begin quietly speaking on something that not many people initially will be interested in hearing on. The church has been, has been focused, and, and, and I'll use the word brainwashed, for lack of a better word, because there's been so much incomplete, immature speaking, has been brainwashed to talk about the rapture, the end times, and the judgment. Right? Here's what's on the heart of the Father for this season, guys. It's unity. Dial in to those that begin speaking about unity and reconciliation in the body. They have the pulse of the Father. It's one of the things God is doing in this hour. I am not talking about compromise. I'm talking about the body of Christ beginning to repent of backbiting, and the blame and the self-righteousness, the body of Christ beginning to repent of divisiveness, ask the Lord, to the, the love of God to be loosed within our heart, and to repent of turning to broadcasts and teachings that we've turned to in order to be amused or distracted or coddled or self-soothed. You want to talk about repentance? These are three areas Father is talking to the body of Christ to re repent of. Self-righteousness and backbiting and accusations, repent of divisiveness. There are so many fractured camps in the body of Christ. If we don't all believe the same exact thing, guys, Galatians says that Paul, I think it's Galatians, Galatians, Galatians 2. Peter was rebuked by Paul because Peter got off into error. If that happened today, I may write about this on my blog. I mean, it's so important. If that happened today, Peter would be denounced as a heretic. Peter. Peter had to be corrected and rebuked about Paul because Peter began to drift from the message of righteousness because of fear of rejection, mind of Christ. Oh, guys, get the book. Today, if we had someone, if we had the apostle Peter 
the Apostle Paul walk in the earth serving and ministering, that where Peter disagreed with Paul, one of them would be considered a false teacher. I go into some people's websites. Every single person listed is false. I reached out to them. I said, is there anyone who's not false? Guys, a, a true brother does not mean you guys believe the exact same thing. The nonsense about pre-mid, post-tribulation, uh, literal Moab, uh, physical Moab, the, the literal fulfillments of these equal prophecies. The, where does Russia fit into this? Uh, all these, guys, seek the eyes of your Lord. You guys ever wonder what the eyes of the Lord look like? What color are his eyes? Seriously, seriously, have you ever stopped to wonder that? Or are we more concerned about how we're going to exist the next 18 months from now? As if this life, which is a vapor, makes a difference in light of 10,000 years from when we'll be standing before the throne room and giving testimony and we say, well, I figured out how to save up enough dry goods for my family. Didn't win anyone to Christ, but I lived an extra 18 months. Guys, the church is better than this. There is more. There is more strength and power in us. The spirit of Christ that's in us wants more of us. There is more. We are the conquerors. We are the overcomers. That's going to begin rising up in the spirits with heart and fire in the body of Christ. And there's going to be those that begin speaking about unity. Dial into those people. We're going to be repenting of divisiveness. Guys, we don't have to all believe the same thing. Do you want to know whether to listen to someone or not? Is Do they have things to teach us about how to grow in intimacy with the Father? Are they exalting Christ in their teachings, in their blogs, in their sermons, in their books? Are they exalting Christ? Are they giving us a roadmap to intimacy with the Father? Who cares whether they, they, they see something different and translate this a little bit differently than that? Or if they think, uh, oh, my goodness, I want to give an example. It doesn't matter, guys, if it's not taking us away from Christ. We have the Bible. We're all not going to agree on the same thing. It's okay as long as it's not violating the salvation message. Peter and Paul didn't agree on everything. Paul and Barnabas split companies. Two apostles got into such a heated uh, argument, they split companies. They couldn't reconcile their differences, but they both went on to fulfill the commission. They didn't call each other false apostles. Mixture is when you take in end times deception. Deception is something that draws us away from the cross, guys. We have to be really careful and examine and be more deliberate with what we call false and what we call deceptive and wolves in sheep clothing. My goodness, we just are so quick to write each other off because we're afraid. We're scared. We say we have the Spirit of God in us. We have no idea what that means. We are more afraid of Satan and a greater respecter of Satan than we are the Holy Spirit in us. And we're not meant to be that way, guys. That's beneath who we are. We're more than that. So the first is unity. The second is a return to true discipleship. There will be those that begin coming forth that teach the meat and the milk of the word. They will begin to teach about prayer. They will begin to teach about intimacy. They will teach an understanding how to use your gifts in balance. They will teach you how to share the gospel in love. 
They will teach the things about reconciliation, about righteousness. There's going to be those that begin coming forth that begin teaching about what it means to be the redeemed. They will start teaching proper biblical interpretation. They'll begin teaching about how you study the Bible, that the Bible is progressive revelation. They will begin to talk about the different things that, have, that propel us into greater intimacy, discipleship. You're going to see a return, a call to true discipleship. They're not going to be talking a lot about judgment because these people have got the revelation of God that if you teach disciples, if you raise up disciples of Jesus Christ, we will walk in holiness as a byproduct. And the byproduct of intimacy with God is we do what's on Father's heart to share the good news that Jesus came and not died, not only for you 2,000 years ago, but for everyone else who has yet to accept him. Discipleship. The third is a return to our first love. This presidential election was an act of grace and mercy. We have been given a little more time Time for what? Time to turn and come into alignment with the Father's heart. Please hear me, guys. This is what the Lord is saying. He desires for us to return to him in all areas of our heart. This means we pick up all of his heart. If we want to sum up, well, what's on the Lord's heart, David? It's two things, guys. Brothers and sisters, family of God, it's two things. It's intimacy for his church, for his redeemed. Number one, it's intimacy. The second is salvation for his lost sheep. People that are lost that hate the gospel. Those communists and atheists that are torturing our brothers and sisters right now, They are not the enemy. They are you and I before we accepted Jesus. And that's not my words. That's the Bible. And uh, that's what's on his heart, guys. If we're not in sync with him on this, we have not turned to him as our first love. That's the end of story. We don't get to pick and choose. He loves us either way. Here's the balance of it. He loves us. Guys, he'll always love us. And in love, he will continue to, at times, apply pressure in our lives to get us to turn from death to life. Any area where we are not operating by our spirit, man, renewing our mind, our will, our emotions, right? That's our soul. Anytime we are not moving by our spirit, man, in intimacy with him, we're living outside of true kingdom life. That leads to alienation, leads to a form of death in any area. So what's a form of death, guys? Let's, you know, we take everything to an extreme. We don't need to do that. What's death? Fear. Fear is death. It's not of the kingdom of God. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Those that are fear are not made perfect in his love. Right? So that's one area where sin, right, sin is that which misses the mark, that which opposes his kingdom. What does, what does not walk in the peace of Christ lead to? It's the opposite. It's fear. Fear is, is, is death. The opposite of life. God's life is not in that fear. So as you say, well, there's a holiness, there's a holy fear. Yes, God. Yes, absolutely. Praise God. Amen. We're not talking about that. We're talking about fear of man. 
We're talking about fear of not having enough finances. We're talking about fear of rejection. We're talking about fear of uh, being made fun of, fear of shame, fear of losing our lives, fear of being outcast, fear of torture, fear of X, Y, Z. That's not the fear of God. If we feared God the way the Bible explains the fear of God, we wouldn't fear any of those other things I mentioned. That's one area. Right, so those are areas of sin in our life. Areas will be the opposite of kingdom life. Sow to the kingdom and we will reap life, Galatians 6, 8. His heart is for us to begin to forgive and to seek fellowship within the body of Christ with Jesus as our head. Those that came out of the dead system, the manipulative system, the rules, the dogma, the getting dressed up to go into a building, the nonsense. And guys, again, again, I have a lot of friends that are traditional pastors. I was slated to be one of my 20s. God just happened to get a hold of me as I was on my way to my ordination ceremony, on my way literally. Turn around. That's not what I've got for you. There are people that are loving the Lord, serving them in these. I'm not dogging a person. I'm not, uh, I'm not casting down a denomination. I'm simply putting the body of Christ in alignment with what's on the heart of the Father. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah, guys, it's uncomfortable for me when he does it with me. It's okay. It's okay. If we understand we are unconditionally loved, it's okay because correction brings life. It brings life. It's just going to let go. Whoever dies in him will live. Here's something I want to leave you guys with. The Bible says he gave some apostles and prophets, uh, pastors and teachers, evangelists, right? Ephesians 4.12, to equip his people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Guys, what did, did Jesus do on his earth walk? What was his purpose? Right? He stayed on this walk almost four years. He stayed on this. He didn't have to. He could have come straight down, got on the cross, gone back up to heaven. His earth ministry was to show us the Father. Hebrews 1.3 says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. How do we know this? Because he walked among us. He showed us the Father. John 14.9, 14, 14.8, 14.9. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after all this time since I've been, I've been among you? Haven't you realized that if you've seen, and paraphrasing a little bit, how can you say, show us the Father? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You and I are one. Now we have to live what was given to us. This is a season of asking the Lord where we have picked up our own fear, our own self-righteous, driven agenda, and we need to lay that down. We need to begin to ask the Lord, Dad, what is on your heart? What would you have me do? As I spend time with you, as we play together, as we work together, as we, as we exchange and sit at the table and just talk and hang out, Okay, now, Dad, what's on your heart? What do you want me to do? I mean, I'm so blessed. I mean, some of the principles I I really couldn't see until I had my own kids. You know, my son, Nathan, you know, I gave him a a popsicle tonight. He turned to me and said, Dad, would you like some? And I said, no, that's okay, Nathan. I want you to have it. He looked at me, and I could see the love in his eyes. 
He just said, Dad, I would like you to have some. That's a child wanting to please their father just because he loves the father. We can't put the cart in front of the horse, guys. For most of us, the church, we have lost discipleship in this generation. We need to begin to pick up that our dad loves us. Our dad loves us. Guys, there's a book called The Mind of Christ. It's on my website. I'm not making a dime on it. It's obedience to the Lord to impart some of these things to understand our identity. If any of this moves upon your heart, um, it grates every part against me to mention my own book that I wrote. It's not about me. It's about the body of Christ. There's a free PDF on the website. Um, I go into this in great detail and great depth. If we are not hearing his unconditional love for us and we're not hearing his heart for saving the lost, we need a course correction, guys. And that's what he's doing. In all of this, we're meant to grow up into the full stature of Jesus Christ. That means seeing what he sees, thinking what he thinks, feeling what he feels, enjoying great intimate fellowship with him. And the byproduct of that is that we bring the kingdom everywhere we go. We bring the goodness of God. So, summary. This is a foundational year. Where we come from? Well, we talked about it a lot. It's been 30 years of just becoming self-centered. Um, we lost true discipleship. We've lost true teachings. We've, we've strayed from safe, uh, biblical, final truths. Um, everything that, you know, we, we've, we've tossed a lot of that out. There's been a mass fracturing in the church massive civil war, those who broke away from that system and are out wandering in, on, on the hills and the sides with no discipleship, no leadership, no elders, and that those who have spoken up have really just don't understand their babes themselves. Not everyone. Of course not everyone. This is no accusation, guys. It's just be, we have to be brave enough to put aside our own self-worth that we create by what we do, and we need to be picking up the self-worth that comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He says we are worthy and complete in him. The father sees us with the same love and adoration as the son. If you don't believe that, that kicks something up, you need to get into the word and let God challenge you with that. Let him heal your heart. Heal the areas where our parents or our parental figures were meant to model that where they didn't. We need to put that aside and we need to pick up Christ and what he says about us. This season is a season of healing. It is meant to be a season of unity. It's meant to break down dividing walls, to begin looking at a brother and not asking, where do you fellowship? And one of the first things I heard right grow my entire life, oh, you're a Christian. Where do you go to church? Never, what's God doing in your life? Never, what's, how can I pray for you? What's, what's going on in you? What, God's, what is God challenging you in? What is God looking to do with you? What's going on in your season? The first thing is, where do you go to church? Because that's all, that's the extent of our walk. By and large, I'm oversimplifying, but the overall theme in the body of Christ was about works and doing, not being shamed into something. And he's breaking all that down, guys. Those that came out out of that dead religious system also must forgive and heal and begin seeking the body of Christ in unity, in spirit, and in truth. We do not toss out the Bible. The Bible is our anchor from which we can safely explore the things of the kingdom that challenge our belief systems. Unity, 
we begin to see the beginnings of a turn to true discipleship. Keep your spiritual ears open for that. You will hear it, church. You have the Spirit of God in you. You will hear it. It won't be about tickling things and things that are self-soothing. It will be about the meat and the milk of the word, things that will ground you in your relationship, things that will build a platform and a structure in your walk that will be of immense value to you. And the third is a return to our first love, not a return to things, not a return to self-righteousness, not a return to our own agenda or finger-pointing, a return to our first love in all areas of our heart, which is the church intimacy with him and the Great Commission, guys. So I know that was a lot. Pray to God that you consider listening to it a second time if you feel you need to. Stop by my uh, my website. Just feast on the word there. And uh, that's it, Dorothy. Uh, anything on your end or anyone uh, have a question that's phoned in or anything like that before we get off? No, no questions. That was an excellent word. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I'm Thanks, sure Dorothy. It was a hard word to give. I usually <laughs> I usually will put these off for as long as I can until until uh, our Heavenly Dad just says enough, David, you got to bring this forth. Um, compassionate well, word. Also, get, um, if you add that, what is the purpose of judgment when it comes? What is the point? Yeah, can if I could touch on that real quick for 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 those that will listen to the rest of that real quick, guys. There are different judgments. There are different dispensations. Again, this goes back to true discipleship. We've been we haven't been taught this, right? So we've we've lost sight of the dispensations of the time frames in God's history of man. Judgment is to separate. It is to thoroughly separate and pronounce. Uh, uh, sentencing on based from the nature of God. The nature of God is holiness and justice. He's also love. Love, justice, and mercy all coexist and do not conflict in any way. God is not schizophrenic. When When the judgments of God come, it is judgment on sin because sin opposes his nature. Sin started from Satan. Satan and everything that Satan sowed, which is death, the opposite of God's kingdom, will be burned up, removed, judged. It is a thorough separating the wheat from the chaff. When a, when a person does not accept the reconciliation offered, the judgment, the sin is still on them. And so when we come under the judgments of sin, we are still attached to sin. So we fall under the judgment because we cannot escape it. The blood of Jesus separates us from that sin. The judgment of the believer is to separate sin from our walk with God so that we can walk in greater intimacy. There are different judgments talked about in the Bible. There are several different judgments coming in in dispensations or time frames yet to come. We are still in the church age. And whether or not you believe, again, that's just another thing. I won't go down the rabbit trail. It doesn't matter. It, whatever age we, some people I hear say we've entered out of the church, it doesn't make a difference 
in the Bible, okay, let's stick with Scripture, we're to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to rescue as many people from the judgment that is coming upon sin and Satan and the dumber angels, the fallen angels, the dumber third that is going to come until everything is swallowed up and there's only God's kingdom and life in his realm. Judgments for the believer are meant to separate us from that which draws us away from the kingdom. Judgments are reconciliation in nature. And the judgment that comes upon the earth to come is designed to refine the body of Christ, because the scriptures say judgment starts with the body of Christ, and also to shake up the lost from their delusion. God is not angry. Guys, please hear me. Please hear the word. The Bible says while we were yet sinners and while we were enemies in our minds and, and, and strangers and estranged because of our evil behavior, in other words, while we hated God, he sent his son to reconcile us. We've got to get that into our spirit, into our wheelhouse. Those people that are speaking about how God is angry with the lost, are, are, they, they, they don't understand. They don't have the love of my dad. Because the Bible says we were all lost. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. He died for people, a creation that hate him. And we, we, we can't forget that. We have accepted the goodness of God. And the scriptures go on to say, Romans, do you despise the long-suffering and the riches of his goodness, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? We are his goodness manifest on the earth. When we lay hands upon the sick, when we give a word of knowledge, when we pray for a stranger, when we give bread to someone who's poor, when we ask a kindness to a stranger in, in, the, in the name of the Lord, that is the goodness of God, which is what brings people to repentance. And that includes the people that are torturing Christians right now. They're not your enemies. But did we forget that Jesus says, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's good enough for our Savior who died for you and your sins. It's not good enough for your neighbor who lives across the street that hates you and hates the fact you're a Christian. Is the wrath of God coming upon that person? No, guys, the wrath of God is coming upon sin. And we need to rescue those, Jude says, as those who hating even the clothes stained with the smell of smoke, snatching them out of the fire, out of the fire of the judgment that's coming upon sin by allowing them to receive the forgiveness of sin in the blood of Jesus Christ. And, um, guys, this is... This is this is Christianity 101. These are things that are not taught or shared anymore. They're not interesting anymore. Because we've chosen to find a righteousness and an identity and a self-worth that's apart from what Jesus gave us on the cross. You can't, you can't be any more righteous than the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Colossians 1.21. He's made us the righteous of Christ. We can't do anything to diminish that, and we can't make in ourselves any more righteous than the righteousness of Christ, guys. So, so that's uh, that's just a little bit, Dorothy. I hope that wasn't too long-winded, but that's just a little bit on, on the purpose of judgment. Just so everything is to, is to reconcile us back to the Father, and at the same time to burn up everything that opposes His nature. He died for his creation so that we would not enter into the judgment that will come upon everything that opposes his kingdom. The judgments are on the wrath of, of sin, of his nature. And for those of you saying, well, all mankind, the wrath is upon them. Yeah, it is. That's why the Great Commission was given to us. 
That's why it took the Jews 15 years to figure out, oh, the gospel is not just first used, it's for the world. When Abraham said, all nations through you will be blessed. When the prophecies said, you know, when the Old Testament prophecies said, the land of Zebulun, those who live in the shadow of death, a light has dawned in which the Gentiles will put their hope in. <laughs> That's your neighbor, guys. That's the person at the gas station. That's the person at work who makes fun of you for being a Christian. God loves that child of God. And if you don't love that person, then we just have to return to our first love. We have to return to intimacy so that we begin seeing things the way our dad sees things. And to the degree that we don't know how much he loved us, the degree that we're not going to love other people and we're not going to love ourselves. There are those that are coming forth in this hour that will offer teachings on this. They will begin teaching about this. We will begin returning to true biblical discipleship. The first principles of the oracles of God, Hebrews 5.12. So that we can come into the full stature of Jesus Christ. So that we can know what it's like to walk immersed in love. Where we can know what it's like to feel the presence of God's kingdom around us all the time. So that we care about the things that are on his heart. Ever wonder what we're going to be doing in heaven? For eternity? It's pretty cool stuff, I would imagine. It starts here. Anyway. So great question, Dorothy. Thanks. Hoping to get this under the hour. You sidetracked me. <laughs> well, you just went a little over. That's okay. Yeah. No, it's all good. That's, that's, that's a fantastic question. That, that, that's a great question to be asked. That, it's a very, very appropriate to ask it now. It's fantastic. Well, let's sign off for tonight, Dorothy. And um, and every one of you that, that, that tuned in either live or afterwards, God bless you. Dare to know how much you're loved. Here's what some things that God is doing in 2017. Um, I'm going to probably update, probably, you know, come March or April, just to um, to give us uh, some alignment, realignment, exhortation. We'll, we'll probably dip in in a few more months and, and see where the body of Christ is tracking um, as the Lord lays some things on my heart. And um, we all have the ability to get the heart of the Father. All of us. We're meant to all walk in that. All of us. Um Elders are meant to teach and train and disciple in all gifts in all areas to the body of Christ. So anyway, Dorothy, you have a wonderful, awesome night. Thank you for having me on, as always. Uh, always a pleasure and an honor. And to all of you out there, you have a wonderful, wonderful evening, weekend, and week coming up. And God bless you all. And Lord willing, we will meet uh, probably next week or two weeks, get back into discussing more about healing, get the meat and potatoes about how to lay hands on sick or covenant right to heal and um, get into some more uh, fun stuff that has to do with the kingdom. So you have a wonderful night, Dorothy, and I'll speak with you soon. You as well. Father (laughs) blessed. Remember. My New York is coming out starting to talk a mile a minute. (laughs) Christianity is not a religion. It's a reality. I just love that saying. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Amen. It's relationship. It's a reality. I love it. Thank you, Dorothy, as always. And I will speak to you uh, during the week, I'm sure. Okay. Father bless, Dorothy. Love you, body of Christ. Good night, Dorothy. Fear House. I'm David.
David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hoped that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's D-W-M-U-R-R-Y.com for additional teachings and insights. God bless you, and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your heavenly dad loves you deeply. Thank you.